The basis for our sermon message today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the first five verses. Paul says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The word of our Lord. I should probably come clean and and right away let you all know that I totally stole the, the theme for today's service from somebody else. Jesus plus nothing equals everything is the title of an excellent book written by a guy named Tolian Chavidian, but it just fit too perfectly today with what, what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians. I had to steal it. And in the book, Chavidian, the author, he, he says most Christians, when, when they see this equation, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, they're going to nod their heads along in agreement and appreciation. It looks great. I love it. But what does it actually mean? And what is it going to mean for us in our lives if we confess this to be true? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You could read the book. Uh, Tolian Chavidian does a, does a great job of walking you through what this, what this means. But today, we're going to go back to the original source, God's Word, and let the Word walk us through what this statement means. The Apostle Paul lived this statement as he did his mission work in the city of Corinth. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's basically what Paul was saying when he said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so today, Paul's going to show us two things. He's, he's going to show us what resolving to know nothing but Christ crucified looks like. So what it looks like. And he's going to show us how resolving to know nothing except Christ crucified really does equal everything. Show us what it's, what it's going to look like and that it's really true. If you want to get a glimpse at what resolving to know nothing but Christ and him crucified looks like, well, we could, we could backtrack into 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just a few weeks ago, we were focusing on that, that theme, not who, not how, what. Remember, it's, it's not about who's giving the message. It's not about how the message is given. It's all about what the message is. And at the heart of the message, it's got to be all about Jesus and him crucified. This is what what Paul was reminding the Corinthians back in the first chapter. He said he's going to preach that gospel message, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Notice he's he's making that same point again here in chapter 2. 
It says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Paul reminds the Corinthians that he didn't come to Corinth like so many other traveling philosophers and orators of that day looking to, to build a reputation for himself or to earn a bunch of followers for himself. In fact, Paul reminds the Corinthians of the kind of pitiful looking way he came to them. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Paul showed the Corinthians what knowing nothing except Christ and him crucified really looks like. Of course, as you think about Paul, maybe the, the greatest missionary to ever walk the earth, the words weak, fearful, trembling, don't really seem to describe Paul, do they? Not from what we know of him. And yet, Paul's suffering maybe gives us a reason why he would have entered Corinth with some fear, some, some trembling. Maybe he had vivid memories in his brain of what had been happening to him recently as he was doing mission work in other cities in the past, of the time he was met with total indifference toward his message in Athens just before going to Corinth. Maybe he's thinking of when he had to flee in the middle of the night because there was Jewish riots directed at him in Thessalonica and then Berea. Maybe he's thinking back to his severe beating and imprisonment in Philippi. Maybe he's thinking of when he was stoned by the people of Lystra and left for dead. And now, he's in Corinth, an especially immoral city with a really bad reputation. And so maybe he's, he's entering the city with a little fear, a little trembling, because he knows he's not changing his message. going to preach Christ crucified. What's going to happen this time? Resolving to know nothing except... Christ and him crucified looks weak and possibly dangerous. And to borrow a term from Paul, it looks foolish. You'd think Paul, maybe at this point, he's been doing work long enough, mission work. Maybe he could kind of change his approach here in Corinth. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a better idea, Paul? I mean, couldn't he try to somehow make his message a little more appealing to people? Couldn't he, I don't know, just water down the message a little bit? Just, just to avoid a dangerous situation again? Couldn't he maybe try to appeal just a little more to human reason? You know what's funny about that? I, I don't think any of us would actually consider that Paul should do those things. We're, we're all sitting here saying, yeah, go get him, Paul. Keep chugging away, preaching the gospel, no matter what people think of you, no matter what they do to you, when it's, when it's Paul's ministry and not, not our own, it's really easy to say, don't back down, Paul. Just, just give him Jesus. Ever thought about that? All of a sudden, when it becomes our, our own personal ministries as, as Christians or corporately as a, as a church, well, then all of a sudden, we start thinking differently. As we are shouting for, for Paul to, to continue to proclaim the clear gospel without any additives, 
we're sometimes so quick to think there's, there's got to be a better way to do outreach, a, a better way to bring joy to people's lives instead of just simply resolving to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. It's kind of tempting to want to add something else to the message of the cross to make it more appealing, make it a little more reasonable for people to listen to it. There's always the temptation to change the equation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because we want a message that sounds wise and eloquent when people listen. We, we kind of want a, a message or a method that can more effectively get people in the pews. We want a message that can keep people in kind of a naive, happy place without ever having to confront the reason why Jesus had to die on a cross. It's not that, I don't think it's that Christians really want to blatantly re- replace the gospel, no. Rather, we'd, we'd probably just, most of the time, it'd be nice if we could just add just a little bit to it. That's maybe more our thinking, to just add, add something so that it's Jesus plus something equals everything. The former atheist turned Christian, C.S. Lewis, he, he captured this idea of changing the Jesus equation in his book, The Screwtape Letters. In this book, a high-ranking demon named Screwtape is training his demon apprentice, Wormwood, in how to best use Satan's strategies against Christians. It's a fascinating idea. Um, Screwtape, he says one of, the, one of the best strategies to use against Christians is, in his words, to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and. C.S. Lewis captures this brilliantly, that, that Satan wants nothing more than to get believers thinking Jesus isn't enough. That something else needs to be added to the message of the cross to make it more effective, to make it enough, to make it equal up to everything. And you could come up with plenty of things to add to this Christianity and to come up with a long list. Maybe some of the more, more tempting formulas might be something like Christianity and spiritual self-improvement. Christianity and coolness and relevance. Christianity and deciding for Christ. Christianity and self-progress. Christianity and tradition. Christianity and diversity and tolerance and plenty of Christianity and political action, whether it's conservative, liberal, libertarian, whatever. Screwtape tells Wormwood that if he wants to distract Christians, keep them off course and keep them powerless, he simply has to make sure they never come to a place of believing that mere Christianity is enough. That we need to add something. And the equation Jesus plus X, fill in the blank, it looks so innocent. I mean, look, we still got Jesus in there. Still talking about Jesus. He's involved. Maybe we even think we're, you know, kind of doing Jesus a favor by, by putting some of the work on ourselves. The thing is, though, anytime you're, you're adding something to this equation, 
adding to Christ, you're going to end up with something that's not true Christianity. In the words of Javidian, he says, we habitually look to something or someone smaller than Jesus for the things we crave and need. And none of it is ever large enough to fill the void. When the Apostle Paul entered Corinth, I think he, he met a lot of people with voids in their life. Hundreds of different kinds of problems. And there is social problems, educational problems, morality problems. What, what, what is the problem that Paul's going to tackle first here? Paul decides, he resolves to deal exclusively with the one problem that has eternal consequences. Paul confronts people with their relationship to God. Paul knew what the people needed. And he knew the answer for their need. And this is why he resolved to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. As you meet people here in Chattanooga, you're going to come across people with voids in their lives. Hundreds of different kinds of problems out there. Some of them will be obvious surface problems. You know them right away. Some of them will be hidden, tucked away where no one can see. And we're not going to be able to solve all those problems for people or for ourselves. But we can point others and ourselves to the one problem with eternal consequences, our broken relationship with God, and we can then point to God's solution for that problem. Jesus plus nothing <coughs> equals everything. Because, because Jesus, who was everything and had everything as the Son of God, became nothing. He emptied himself there on the cross. The everything made himself nothing. He became worthless to his heavenly father, an object to be punished and killed, forsaken, the bearer of all the world's sins that ever were and ever will be, the bearer of, of all your sin, all my sin. Jesus emptied himself of his righteousness so he could fill you with it. Jesus gives you everything by becoming nothing. Jesus gives you everything you need to live a life of eternal happiness at God's side. He, he gives you everything you need to see past temporary problems and press on one day at a time. He gives you everything you need to live a life of peace with God and even with the world. And you don't have to do anything in order to accomplish, accomplish this. 
Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Resolving to know nothing except Christ and him crucified really does equal everything. And four things, four things will happen when you resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. First thing that happens is the gospel is served neat. I, I was at that, that uh, Lutheran leadership conference just a couple weeks ago that our synod put on. This was one of the little phrases from a keynote that really stuck with me. We have the privilege of serving the gospel neat. We, we present this, this free message of good news, free salvation through Jesus, undiluted. We don't water it down. We, we don't add anything to it or mix anything with it. We get to serve it neat. We let it stand by itself. We get to give this, this message of Christ undiluted. And the gospel includes no asterisks. There's no demands somewhere in fine print. You got to make sure you read. So the, the gospel is served best when we just get out of the way and let it stand on its own. Resolving to nothing but Christ and him crucified means the gospel is served neat. The second thing that happens when we resolve to know nothing but Christ crucified is the heart of preaching is set in stone. This means that Christ and the gospel have to be featured all the time, every time. And this was drilled home for me when I attended the seminary. Above the doors to the chapel in Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary are three Greek words. Keruxita to oiangelion. Preach the gospel. To proclaim Christ is the church's only essential task. And even the word proclaim is really important because this means we're not looking to argue or convince or woo people to faith. We simply tell the story. We're just messengers carrying God's good news to the world. When we let that, that gospel message stand on itself, we serve it neat, we get to proclaim something very, very profound. The third thing that happens when we resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified is the Holy Spirit's power is unlocked. Paul said this, my message and my preaching we're not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And, and what is the Spirit's power? It's the Word. The Word of Christ crucified. In this living, active Word of God, we find a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And, and that's where we want our faith to rest in the unchanging good news that God has recorded for us in Scripture. Because then our, our faith isn't resting on human reason and human wisdom, which turns out to lead us astray so often and changes like shifting sand. Then our trust, our faith is in the Word, where the Spirit's power is unlocked. And it's nice too, because then we don't have to put all our, our eggs in the basket of our own great ministry methods or strategies. It's, it's been said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so 
yeah, ministry plans and church growth methods, yeah, they're helpful. But at the end of the day, the only thing that can actually bring people to faith and transform lives is the message of Christ and him crucified. And this is really good because it means bringing people to faith. It doesn't all rely on our own valiant efforts to do that. You're not supposed to be the savior. If, if it was up to us, the responsibility was ours to bring people to faith and save the world, that'd be a bad situation. And that's not what God wants. He gives us Jesus to do this for us. He gives us his word. We let the Spirit's power be unlocked when we rely on that word. And then the fourth, the fourth thing that happens when we resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified is it keeps things simple. It keeps the mission simple. At that Lutheran leadership conference, there was one, one presentation given by a, a pastor in Florida, David Rosenau. The title of the, the keynote was One by One, Revitalizing a Congregation. It was, hands down, the best presentation I have ever heard at any of these conferences. I've been to a lot of them. Best one I've ever heard. I, I had tears welling up into my eyes twice during the presentation. Something that hasn't happened to me since my daughter was born almost a year ago now. It's so good. You have to listen to it. I'll, I'll post it. The, the concept was simple. Ministry is nothing more than bringing people one by one to the foot of the cross, to Jesus and him crucified. So simple. So true. And as you come across people You'll find people with with voids in their lives. But you can point them to Jesus who fills every void. And when you strip away every cleverly crafted sermon series and outreach program and beautiful church building, you see the one thing that, that really matters. The one thing that really has power to actually transform lives. Jesus and him crucified. And this is going to be work that happens one by one, one person at a time. That's the way it's always worked. Nothing flashy or impressive. It's a very slow-paced thing. It takes a long time. But you get to see Jesus changing everything for people. One by one, day after day, as they sit at the foot of the cross and discover a peace and a hope they never knew they could have. And find true wisdom for everyday living, too. Every person in this world is on a quest for God. Whether they realize it or not, whether their God involves religion at all. But the only way to know God is to know Christ. And him crucified. One by one, as you meet people, you can ask yourself, what role will I play in this person's quest? It might be a really small passing part, but you know what your role can be 
to give them Jesus, to serve the gospel neat, undiluted, not watered down. You can resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified among the people that you meet because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Amen.